Today we are joined by Dr. Melissa Peterson, a registrar in radiation oncology at Livingston Hospital in Kabecha. So September is Gynecological Cancer Month. This month we'll delve into the realm of gyne cancers, shining a light on a topic that for too long has remained in the shadows, from the silent symptoms of ovarian cancer to the powerful stories of survival. Our goal is to inform, inspire, and uplift. Welcome, Dr. Peterson. Thank you for um, having me. How are you? I'm good, thanks. We're so happy to have you here. We just wanna, we just wanna know more about gynae cancers because we we're already so aware of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. We're already so aware of the pink ribbon. Yeah. And when I saw the purple ribbon, yeah. I was like, okay, I've never seen this before. Yeah. So that's why we just wanted you to shed some light yeah. when it comes to, to, gyne, to gyne cancers. So firstly, I, I, I want to know, what are the most common types of gyne cancers? So um, I think if we focus on, so you can always go to US stats or UK stats, but if we do focus on our population in South Africa, or specifically where we are now, um, you have, you know, you have your five types of gynecological cancers, which is cervical cancer, vulvar cancer, endometrial cancer, vaginal cancer, and why am I forgetting the last uterine cancer? Sure. So, um, you know, those are the five cancers. Um, the five gynecological cancers. So in our setting, we do see a lot of cervical cancers. Secondly, we see a lot of vulva cancers, the ovarian. And that is mostly because it does, um, you know, we have our population that is um, highly burdened with HIV AIDS. So so that's also one of the risk factors as well. But I mean, we will talk about what puts you at risk a little bit later. So how prevalent are these cancers in our country and especially the Nelson Mandela Bay region? So uh, what I did was just to actually look at our stats to give you an idea of what we see. Um, So you've mentioned, you know, that everybody just knows the color pink. And so we do have days that we see certain cancers. So on a Monday, we see our new GITs and follow-up breasts. On a Tuesday, we see our new gynees and follow-up gynees and our lung patients. On Wednesday, we see our new breasts. Um, Thursdays, we see our euros, head and necks, um, and skin cancers. And then on a Friday, we see our post-mastectomy breast. So yes, we still devote three days of the week to breast, so we know that breast is still high on the list. Okay. But then the difference between a Tuesday and a Wednesday is that you see a lot of early presenting breasts because we have so much, you know, advances in people knowing what to do with breast. But on a Tuesday, unfortunately, it's full, but a lot of late presentation, gynae cancers. And so essentially, um, so this month or, well, this year so far, we've seen about 1,375 patients as follow-up patients alone. And then in terms of um, the new patients, so we see at least five new gynees um, a day on a Tuesday. Every Friday, every Tuesday is definitely full. And for this year now, we've basically seen 101 up till August. So 101 new gynae cancers, um, which obviously is cervical, endometrial, sure. but the most and the bulk of them is definitely cervical cancer. 
I want to know what do you think is the reason behind the lack of awareness when it comes to gynae cancers? The thing is, it's 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 plainly something that we don't talk about. I mean, we have um, normalized talking about our breasts, yes. which was you know something very personal, something very intimate, mm. and now this is something very private as well. So you won't really talk about a discharge that is funny or you know bleeding that is abnormally. And then, you know, there is obviously also our younger patients. We see so many young patients. So you have patients that have periods that don't know that, you know, if they have abnormal uh, PV bleeding, that it is abnormal. That, you know, having sort of bleeding in between your periods is actually something to actually go for, um, to to go to the clinic. So um, we simply just don't talk about it. And we don't, you know actually educate our, 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 our population. We don't educate our females. And importantly, we don't educate our young girls because actually that's where it starts. What are the main risk factors for developing gynae cancer? So there are obviously different risk factors for the different types of cancers. But if we think about cervical cancer, which is very prevalent in our, it is firstly um, HPV, so human papillomavirus, and the high um, subtypes, the high strains is type 16, 18, so that's sort of gibberish for us, but those are essentially the high-risk types. And it's usually when you've had, um, you know, your sexual debut has been much earlier. Sure. So this is essentially where education with young girls comes in. So if you're going to start becoming sexually active much earlier, mm-hmm. you have to actually know that you have to or at least know to use barrier, um, you know, protection um, in terms of, you know, condoms or even female condoms that we know now because sexual transmitted diseases, HPV, which is one, will be essentially transmitted from the male to female. So repeated, you know, um, in basically infections of HPV will will later basically lead to cervical cancer. So early sexual debut, um, we... And also just having a lot of sexual partners, unprotected sex, being basically exposed to um, multiple STDs, especially HPV, obviously, that can also lead to it. But, you know, when we think about our other types of cancers, smoking is also one of um, the risk factors. Um, It's For gynae cancers. For gynae cancers. Smoking is definitely also one. Um, in uterine cancer, this is where essentially your BMI, where your weight actually yes. does does make a difference. So they say usually in your higher socioeconomic um, uh, countries, essentially where you know you have higher BMIs, like in the US, we know that you know everything yes. is much bigger yes. there. They have basically the highest incidence of um, uterine cancers. And then you know when it comes to um, Hereditary, you know, like we, we always think about our family. Does it yes. does it actually go down the family? Yes. Ovarian is one of them. So that is essentially something that goes with breast. So the type okay. of genes okay. that we talk about there is basically your BRCA gene. Um, so BRCA, basically, you have a high chance of when you have first-line relatives that have had um, ovarian cancer or have had breast cancer, you might be actually at risk of, of developing that. Okay. Are there preventions? Definitely, definitely. Sure. So um, obviously we have primary prevention. Sure. So primary prevention is always prevention is better than cure. Uh, yeah. cure. So that is 
um, educating your patient, educating your your um, your teenager. I feel mm. like educating your child. Um, so what we have in place now is essentially um, also our HPV vaccine. So the HPV vaccine rollout started in 2014. Um, there is still not a lot of yeah. um, young girls that are um, getting the vaccine because it's something that is rolled out to public schools. Um, it is not compulsory, and you have to get the parents to, um, you know, consent to to give the vaccine. Yes. Um, but it is essentially for for girls and boys um, that are nine years and older. And I suppose you you can still get the vaccine um, before you are sexually active. After that, there's no real um, use for it. So. Ooh. Yeah. So if you are twenty some something that has not been sexually active, you then can you still can. go for the vaccine but and the vaccine. After. But after, yeah. So if you've already <laughs> had your sexual debut, okay. as we as we call it, um, you know it, it doesn't really make any difference. And the whole point is before you get exposed or potentially get exposed to the HPV virus that you have essentially something in place to protect you against it because we know that that is one of the high-risk factors of developing cervical cancer specifically. That is so interesting. (laughs) That is so interesting. So why do you think parents are so... Because I know that a lot of parents do not want their kids to get the vaccine. you know what? I think it's it's just like the COVID vaccine. It's just one of those things that sure. we're still very uncertain about. Okay. There's still, you know, yes, we have data to do. You know, there's there's limited data in South Africa. There there is a, um, you know, they've done a study um, where in in KZN in rural KZN they uh, gave the vaccine to about over 900 um, school children. Um, so there is. The, the vaccine does come in two doses and three doses, and they're the two-dose rollout. So you have to also complete, you know, the vaccination process. So they've given the first mm-hmm. dose, and then they get, you know, children that don't come back. And then there's also people who kind of fall through the cracks who was either not in school or, you know. So there are um, people that they kind of missed. And we're going to see, you know, what's going to happen basically in time for that, for that cohort, you know. But I think it is just the fact that we are still just not sure what sure. it is doing. And so you don't want to sure. introduce something into your kid um, that you that don't you know of. Sure and about. also, maybe if we actually sit down and speak to our girls, um, especially our girls, um, you know, tell them like, hey, if you're going to become sexually active, this is what you need mm. to do. This is essentially what you're at risk yes. of. And before you do this, maybe this is what you can also do. Make it their choice, maybe. I don't know. There yeah. is some people that, sure. that want to make it, you know, want to give their child the choice of, of making that yeah. decision. Um, also to mention <laughs> that um, the instance of, of cervical cancers and your vulva cancer and erectile cancer, that's why we also, you know, include the boys as well because the HPV um, virus, the high-risk types, does have essentially, um, you know, it is the high-risk factor sure. for, for cervical, for vulva and, and erectile cancers. So those type of cancers has gone down with rollout in the vaccines in other countries. So it has been, you know, something that has been rolled out yes. in your first world countries, in the U.S., Australia, I mean, Canada, um, 
But you know, we we're, we're, we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> we'll eventually we'll get, there. we'll get there. We'll get there. What are the early signs and symptoms of gynae cancer? So, with your vaginal, um, okay, vaginal, which is basically in one percent, because I I think that's what I actually forgot the first time was vaginal cancer. So that's your one percent that you know we we really see those, but sure. those are usually in your older patients um, and. So with our cervix cancer, um, usually irregular bleeding. So in your your patient that is much younger, that um, have regular menses, if you do um, bleed in between your menstrual cycle, um, some patients might have postcoital bleeding. So that is after you have sex, you start to bleed. That's sure. also one of the risk factors. That's one of the things. And then, like I said, um, if you have the history of um, either starting to have sex at an early age, some cancers are um, hormone sensitive. So your ovarian cancers, for example, are hormone sensitive. So if you have an early menarche, so if you basically start with your period quite early and you have a late menopause, meaning that you know during your lifetime you've had this high surge of hormones during your lifetime, any external hormones that we actually put into our body. So contraceptives, yes, sometimes it does actually add to it, to certain cancers, it does. And the funny thing is, basically, there's, there's in one way it is protective and the other way yeah. it's not, <laughs> you know. And then, yeah. and then essentially like our breast patients, our breast cancer patients, when they are hormone sensitive, we give them tamoxifen. So tamoxifen is essentially an agent that lowers the hormone, but that with long-term use, can also um, put them at risk of endometrial cancer. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. So then there's, you know, with, with, with uterine um, and endometrial, there is your high BMI, like I said, smoking, mm. um, uh, all of those things does, yeah, make, make a difference. So let's say I have one of the symptoms. Yeah. What what test do I need to to undergo in order to know? Yeah. So the other thing, the other important thing that I forgot to mention is vaginal discharge. So obviously, anything smelly from the vagina. I mean, we do normally have discharges, and again, like just talking about a discharge is like sort of cringeworthy, and that's why we don't talk about it. Just True. openly talking about a discharge because we know that we normally get a discharge, but something that is quite smelly, um, you know, so. One, go to your clinic. Your clinic is more than capable to help you. The other thing that we um, want to actually put out there is that a lot of patients, when they do obviously have irregular bleeding, they go to the clinic and they're bleeding. And, you know, the sister or whoever will say, we can't do a pap smear because you're bleeding. You're bleeding. They can definitely do a pap slip when you're bleeding. So that is one of the things that, you know, we um, want okay. to tell patients is okay. that they can definitely do a pap smear. Um, also, you know, when you have... So, so some of the... Some, some cancers like your ovarian cancer can be very nonspecific. You can have bloating. You could just have heartburn. Mm. You could have change in stools. So sometimes that... That is that is that is sometimes a little bit tricky to yeah. to kind of pick up because it's so non-specific, and usually uh, later on, if if people complain of abdominal pain or lower pelvic pain, um, you know, it will basically push them to do an ultrasound. But I mean, you you won't have ultrasound services at a at a clinic, 
So unfortunately with that, you know, it's, it's something that is very, very nonspecific. But I feel that, you know, you know your body as well. Yeah. And to be, um, just to, I think, yeah, for, for now, basically for us, just to get it out there of like, these are the basic abnormal things. If it persists, um, go to your local clinic. And, and also, I mean, we see also a lot of people go to the clinic and say that they've just given me an antibiotic or something, you know, to stop the bleeding, and I've gone. For anybody that is postmenopausal, meaning that if you haven't had your period for sure. more than a year, if you're bleeding, if, you, if you're bleeding, number one, it's abnormal. Mm. They can't send you back and give you something to stop the bleeding. It's abnormal. Mm. You have to have a pap smear. Um, any sexually active individual... You have to have a pap smear. Pap smear. Yeah. Are the treatments? Definitely. So um, when we talk about treatment, it is totally, totally cancer specific. Sure. It okay. is. Um, it is his histological specific. So you can have um, uh, cervical cancer, um, but. Or, well, cervical cancer. Okay, so you will, in your early stages, this is where surgery is indicated, all right? But if it is basically at a later stage, that is when patients get referred to us to radiation oncology. And that is either, you know, if it is still in a, in a stage where um, we can um, cure a patient, that is essentially where chemotherapy, radiation and chemotherapy, or either chemotherapy comes in. But it is specific to the type of cell that you even get because not all um, cervical cancers or not all uterine cancers are exactly the same, same. cell type. Okay. So it is very, very specific. Um, your chemo agents also um, tend to change. Um, if you have ovarian, for example, ovarian, there's no indication for radiation. It's basically chemo. Um, and a lot of these things, a lot of the, the cancers, if it's um, picked up quite easy, uh, quite early. Uh, your surgery is your 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 surgical staging as well. That's how they stage, and it is the main main um, treatment for it. Um, then they do a total hysterectomy. They take out both fallopian tubes and the ovaries, and if indicated, they also take out some glands around it. Um, if patients, you know, have a positive cancer diagnosis, this is essentially where we come in and we dissect that report and see if there's any indications for either chemo or radiation. So it is very, very cancer-specific, sure. very um, cancer subtype-specific um, for essentially all the cancers. Sure, I... Yeah. I Sure, it shows you how little one knows. Yeah. And that is why you can't always compare. We always um, tell our patients you can't compare yeah. apples to pears. They usually would be very scared of, of chemo and say that you, they, they've had a relative who had um, you know, chemotherapy. And that person could have had a um, breast cancer who could have um, presented quite late, you know, metastatic has spread already and was quite frail. So obviously that patient will not do very well. And then you have somebody that is young um, that you know will be able to handle yes. the side effects, has got a totally different cancer that will be treated with totally different you know, treatments. So we always say if you're going to compare, you have to compare it with somebody with one the same cancer and also you know, your age and yes. how you are yes. and how you're feeling and what you're able to cope with is different. So, so yeah, so that's... That's how you try to you know, get Doc, a patient. Are there any like lifestyle changes that one 
can 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 make to be safe so smoking smoking <laughs> smoking smoking we 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 know now um that is a risk factor and also just to have a healthy lifestyle so have a um you know a, a norm, well I won't say normal bmi but at least you know keep your sure. your bmi normal so so weight loss if there is um or just you know the essential normal lifestyle changes that one would have so um changing your eating habits exercising i mean that will also be beneficial to not getting hypertension to not getting diabetes as well um then there is when we talk about lifestyle changes obviously that again comes into educating our young girls um you know you have to be you have to have at least or try to stick to one partner mm. um be cognizant of the fact that you are um you have to take care of your own body mm. so protect yourself um so you know that's also we don't want to say like oh you don't be promiscuous or whatever so but if you I mean, every woman, like it's your body, you can do with your body what yeah. you want, but also protect yourself. So use barrier protection. Um, we have female condoms, like mm. I said. So you have, you know, the right to decline any sexual activity, yes. you know, if, if that person doesn't want to use barrier um, uh, protection. So, so that's yeah, mainly are some of the, the things that we can that do. One can look at. I just want to find out, because... When we started, I said there's not much awareness about gynae cancers. Are there organizations in the city that that one can go to and events, any anything that you can recommend so, to go get informed? So this is where we come in. So um, we still we. We still don't have a name for it. Okay. Um, right now, we can't really claim the purple rain or um, the color purple because of the movie. So, purple project is out there. Um, so, right now, as far as I'm concerned, the, we are the only the only facility that is trying to get the word out there and trying to get the purple color mm. out there to get purple as um, popular as pink. We always say to push the purple narrative, okay. so that's what we're trying to do. Um, we started last year with our Shavathon. So, um, sorry, and this is done through this is Livingston, Livingston okay. Oncology. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, first September last year, we started with our Shavathon. So, two ladies in our community, um, Megan Jones Seafield and um, Stephanie Van der Ross. They were two ladies. They were cupcake angels. So they so like there's your cancer and your wings, your reach for a dream if there's cupcake angels as well. Oh wow. And okay. they have been doing, you know, baking cupcakes and sending it to Joburg and they were like, We want to do something here and I was like, Well, we need pads. Mm. We need pads for our patients, just like our um teenagers, our our our, our girls are needing pads. We have, you know, fifty, sixty year olds that have to actually have sanitary towels now because they have uncontrolled bleeding and discharges and urine leakage and stuff like that. So we had our pad drives and then we worked towards our, our shavathon. And that was essentially the first time we had the purple ribbons. Oh, wow. Everybody came, so it was mostly for staff in the hospital. And they were like, what is this purple about? And that's where the conversation sure. started. Um, after that, what we did is we... I I was a speaker at the Cup for Cancer, and I basically said, I just want everybody to bring a pack of pads. Mm. And again, it was another opportunity to talk about, 
gynae cancer um, because nobody they they asked like why would oncology need pads and you know I mean a pad is literally if you think of somebody with gynecological cancer yeah. it's the one thing that yeah. you know um, gives you like a little bit of dignity and privacy yeah. especially if you have to take a taxi you know it's a foul smelling discharge um, we do see people who you know have like little towels or something like in the pad mm. and now you're in a household with like three other daughters and you're also now the extra one who needs pads you know so um we are now like really really starting to to push this and this year has yeah has this year has been a real success so we only ran out of pads in july of this year so since september last year we were able to give our patients pads so every patient that comes if they come we can at least give them an extra three pack of pads home um, we had our, um, our shave and our, um, purple project at the moment now on the 1st of <laughs> September, we had Capitec, um, involved. We, we tried to, you know, really, yeah. um, inv- and it's been so much bigger, Bordeaux Cotals involved and we're really getting the, the color awesome. purple out there. So right now at the moment, you know, we are the, the people who's trying to, to, to make this you know, a thing. Thank you so much, Dr. Peterson. This has been such a great session. Thank you very, very, very much. Good luck with all the work that you you do. You do a great, great, great job. Thank you so much.